Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And today I have on landscape designer, Ben Hale from Easy Living Yards. I wanted to have Ben on the show for two reasons. Number one, we have so lost our connection to the natural world and our gardens are one of the easiest ways to rekindle that love affair. And number two, Ben has approached it in a way that makes it easier to fit it into our lives while still enjoying it immensely. Now, as I say that, I would argue that much in our lives that we proclaim as hectic or even busy is nothing short of an illusion. I think we as humans tend to seek out activities for fear of being still. I have seen the craziest hashtags online like hashtag never stop working, hashtag always hustling, and other crazy shit like I only got three hours of sleep last night living the entrepreneur's dream. Uh, yeah, no. So sorry, but what you've been fed to believe is totally false. When I tell you on this show, on my blog, on my YouTube channel, I'm sure you're getting so tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep saying it. When I tell you to cultivate your chi, that means two things, self-care and self-love. Living a frenetic life is living in denial and you're avoiding it at all cost. This thing called true self, right? So one way to truly connect back to self and to source is through Mama Earth. That disconnect is not only causing her harm, but it is causing us great harm. And then what happens? We end up in a vicious loop. Without that connection, you cannot feel her suffering from the damage we've all done. And we also aren't seeing how we're treating her because we're not connecting to her. And let's not forget, just like us, she has consciousness. She has energy that feeds our soul and vice versa. She gives to us in so many ways and we treat her like none of this matters. Like she doesn't matter. Okay, enough of the reprimanding, Amanda. If you've listened to this show or taken my course, Mastering Feng Shui with Confidence, you know, you know my love affair with nature. And I profess it everywhere because I want you to to do the same thing. I want you to have a love affair too. And my guest today, Ben, is going to show you how you too can have a love affair, whether you have a quarter acre of land or an apartment with no balcony, but maybe has a sunny window. I think that this is going to be really important because a lot of people are intimidated by gardening and they're intimidated by growing things. And I know some people don't even like to go outside, which blows my mind. So hopefully after this show today, we're going to change that. 
Real quick, housekeeping. My book, Easy Everyday Habits uh, to Be More Eco-Friendly, is now available in print on Amazon. You can also check out, we've created a website page. You can find this at gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash let's chat eco. I've placed several of the book's resources on this website for free. So even if you don't buy the book, I want you to have access to these resources. There's two, Random Acts of uh, Sustainability, which has an entire list of where you can be more mindful and intentional about where you donate your goods rather than just dumping all your shit off at Goodwill or the Salvation Army. I want you to be more intentional because there's a lot of nonprofits and there's a lot of charities out there that need very specific items. There's places where you can take crayons. There's places you can take prom dresses. There's places you can take your technology. And a lot of people are unaware of these things. So we've put together a list of that. And we've also put together a list called Conscious Consumerism that helps you find alternatives like alternatives to toilet paper, alternatives to trash bags that are eco-friendly and don't harm our planet. So I've put all of that up on this website. And if you have suggestions, all you need to do is let us know. You can email us and I'll have the team add them to the list. All right, we just wrapped up several things. Uh, I had the online class and I also had the half moon yoga class where I taught feng shui basics. And then of course we had our retreat. We've been very busy. All has been amazing and exhausting and fun. Uh, I do want to mention that we are thinking about putting together a two-day workshop here in Nashville, uh, probably this fall. We think that if we do it here in Nashville, it'll make it a little bit easier on us, and it will also help keep costs down for you. So for those of you who are interested uh, in doing something like this, all you need to do is email us. We need a minimum of 10 people, so just email us at letschat at thegatescompany.com and let us know if this is something that you would like to do. Alrighty, today, Ben and I are going to discuss gardens and gardening, gratitude, and how we can connect to the natural world with open hearts without feeling like it's a complete chore. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. It's great to be here. So Ben and I were just talking a little bit before the show, and uh, he's actually been emailing back and forth with Deborah. Many of you know Deborah in the office, and um, he's been like giving us all kinds of ideas and plans. And it's been really fun because a lot of our, our guests do not have this enthusiasm. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. Um, we are actually, uh, we're putting Ben in two different categories here. Um, he is uh, a landscape, I'm going to call you a guru. Um, I'm sure you're a whole lot of things, so I think guru fits into that. And also, he has a sustainable heart like me. And, and those of you who listen to the show, you know how much I pound into you to be sustainable and to be eco. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is just this idea of gratitude towards Mama Earth and also being a lot more intentional in our eco ways. But before we dive into all of that, let's back up a little bit, Ben, and just tell us how you got into this field. What drew you into landscaping and you know, living a more intentional life and, and really connecting to Mama Earth? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, I've never been called a guru before, so uh, <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> flattering. <welcome. laughs> um, uh, yeah, so you know, I, I went on a pretty circuitous path to get to where I am today, and 
you know, I started out that pretty cookie cutter type lifestyle, I guess you could say, you know, did well in school, like I was supposed to, I got my A's and, and went to college. And, you know, I was going to be a medical doctor of all things, which was really interesting. But I always had this trouble. I had this trouble where I loved so many different things. And I loved being outdoors. But I, I knew, oh, that's not going to make me a living, you know, being a park ranger or, or taking care of the forest or anything like that. But that theme was always there. Uh, in fourth grade, I started a a save the earth club where we cleaned up our parking lot of all the cigarettes. Right. Oh, and so and it's like kind it. of always been, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we did, we did save the parking lot. I don't, I don't know about the earth yet, but we saved the parking lot. Uh, it was great. And, um, but yeah, so, so fast forward, I, you know, that kind of popped up and faded throughout um, the years. And I ended up in a, a typical desk job instead of going to medical school. I realized that wasn't the path for me. And I ended up at this desk job and I realized Am I, or I questioned, am I really making a difference? Am I one calling the shots, making a difference and doing what I think is best to, 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 um, you know, what I feel like my purpose is and also what, what I'm passionate about and what I think is best for our, our world, our planet, our people. And, and so that's kind of where I started to really dive in and question. And, and so I threw in all these passions I have of, of regenerative agriculture and sustainable design. And I realized I love also this beautiful landscapes. Um, so I, I love also aesthetic design. And so I kind of took all this stuff together, helping people um, and all this stuff, threw it in a blender and out popped uh, what now has Easy Living Yards. And so with Easy Living Yards, my focus is to help homeowners design beautiful and healthy landscapes so they can then focus more time on what they love and so they can live with more intent and more, more purpose throughout their life and the bonus is by doing this with low maintenance landscaping it's also an ecologically friendly design process at the same time so that's kind of where i am <laughs> you're you're like saying all my language right guys like everybody who's, who's listening today he's saying all the right things um i am curious though you we looked at your website and you, you did mention that you, as you put it, have three crazy boys. And so I'm curious, you know, you're talking about low maintenance yards, which I think is important because I think a lot of people associate yard work with, I got to go mow the lawn. I got to go trim the trees, right? Like that there's this chore level to it. So how do you fit your quote unquote garden chores into your life and make it feel like that's not what it is, that it's, you know, something that you can get the kids involved with and really enjoy it while simultaneously, you know, giving back in your own small way to mama earth. Yeah, that's a great question. It's also a very deep question. <laughs> so uh, there's many levels to that. So one, uh, you know, engaging kids into the landscape. Two, um, being low maintenance with your work. Uh, three, prioritizing your landscape chores um, around your life. And, and, and four, I guess, you know, taking care of, as you put it, mama earth, which I love. Um, and so the first piece about taking care, uh, you know, engaging our kids, what I've found as, so my, I have three crazy boys. Yes. Uh, they're, they're six, three and one and a half years old. And so there's this wonderful process that we've discovered with each child as they grow and develop. And it's just, you know, the world is different at each age and it's this wonderful wild place. And so what we've tried to do is, is help engage them into our landscape where it is that wonderful wild place enables enables a spirit of imagination a spirit of learning and also 
teaches them how to take care of the world around us at the same time. So we're always looking at the little insects around and explaining, you know, how they fit into what is, what is their habitat, which is our yard. So, so it's this wonderful science and ecology education. And at the same time, we're also trying to take care of our yard, which uh, I'll admit is very difficult sometimes. <laughs> but, but it's this wonderful educational piece. So that's the one piece is, is engaging our kids has become a priority for us. And that kind of feeds into the second piece is how do you fit your chores in? And so what we try to do, and so when I'm saying we, my wife and I, uh, we're, we're trying to focus on our life first. So when it comes to the weekend, for example, so I still work my nine to five job on top of doing easy living yards. And so we try to prioritize what's most important for our family and our life first. And then we focus on those chores to fit in the edges and the percolate through the edges. So we still have uh, a much bigger lawn than I would like. We live in a typical suburban house uh, that we've been in for about, uh, I guess, about six and a half years now. And, and so there's still a lot of work as we continue to transform our landscape to, to this low maintenance design that, that I teach. And so as we do that, we still have a lot of maintenance chores. Uh, otherwise, our neighbors get a little angry at us. And so... Uh, sometimes, you know, I have a kid in, in the backpack carrier and we're trimming some stuff, you know, taking care of some weeding or whatever, or we have the kids playing out back where, uh, while my wife is mowing out front, for example. So there's times like that, but we still make sure we're, we're getting quality time in there. Um, let's see what, what, what else were we talking about? So uh, taking care of mama earth. So yeah, the, the goal here is to reduce the amount of effort we're taking, which also reduces our impact. And so, for example, lawns are one of the m biggest impacts negatively on our ecology across the world or across the United States, I guess I should say, um, due to the inputs of water that's used, the inputs of work as well. Think about the amount of work everybody spends every weekend of the growing season on their lawns. So that's a huge expense of our human effort that could be put towards something else. So, so the gas, our effort, water, those are huge things. So gas from uh, lawn equipment is one of the biggest polluters in the United States. And lawn is the largest irrigated crop in the United States too. It's crazy to think that. So there's more lawn than there is corn or wheat, so, which is crazy to think about. But it, you know, everybody has a lawn. That's the typical American process. So the more we can do to reduce our lawn and change it into something that's beautiful and attractive at the same time that doesn't take a lot of those inputs and brings value and beauty and joy to our lives, the better uh, we can do to take care of ourselves as well as our planet. I agree. And one of the things that, you know, when I hear people talk about lawns, you know, you, you mentioned the, just the gas, as far as the maintenance of caring for it, like with lawnmowers, um, water, the amount of water that it takes, uh, and also chemicals, you're dealing with a lot of pesticides and chemicals and toxins and things that you put on your uh, lawn to care for it to make it what most of us would deem as beautiful, which goes into our water table that goes down the drain and, and ends up in our water table. So I'm so glad you got that because I completely missed that and I 100% <laughs> agree. <laughs> well, I have wrote a book about this. Right, that's uh, true. <laughs> but, um, but what this takes me to is, you know, in the 40s when Americans had victory gardens. And the thing is, is that 
I think that we need to get back to that because that is a way of utilizing your land in an intelligent way. It's a way where you get your kids involved, you're utilizing the land that you have to produce your own, you know, fruits and vegetables and growing your own food. And, you know, you ask a kid where a tomato comes from, they're like the grocery store, you know? Right, right. <laughs> they have no idea. And there's, there's ways that you can really utilize that quarter acre that you have, you know, that you own. Uh, if you do own that, I, I want to get to uh, people who have smaller places here in a minute. But if you do have that traditional American quarter acre, you know, rather than throwing lawn on it, you know, we've got all these HOAs now. You, you talked about this, how you're really pissing off your neighbors a lot, which I think <laughs> is fantastic. But, you know, why couldn't you tear up your lawn and, and put raised beds out there in a beautiful way with, you know, gravel in between and, and grow your own fruits and vegetables? Because as a community, you know, if you live in a neighborhood that has the traditional 400 homes in it, if you're all growing different things, you could be helping one another, you could be getting involved with one another, you know, one person's going to be better at it than a another person, you know, you could all really get involved with it and then share your crops, which I think would be fantastic. It could become its own co-op. Oh, There's certainly. Lots of that, benefits. That is great. Yeah. So one of the things I like to talk about, uh, aside from just living with purpose, is also planting with purpose. And so I think that everything we should plant in our landscape, for one, should fit there. So it doesn't take a ton of work, but also should should have purpose. And so to me, one of the some of the biggest purpose pieces are growing food. Um, and so there's plenty of beautiful plants out there that are edible too. So think about the Bradford pear everybody has in their landscape. Well, there's pear trees. That's where it came from, the actual pear that you eat. And so um, there's, there's tons of beautiful plants. And I actually have done a, an episode in the past on uh, plants that you can grow in your front yard edible plants that you can grow in your front yard. So these are things, if you live in an HOA, they're so pretty that you can integrate them right into your front yard where sneak them in. Exactly. It's kind of like <laughs> gorilla gardening. Yeah. And so planting with purpose <laughs> is, uh, so edible plants is a great example or helping the pollinators that are struggling, all the insects that are struggling in our landscapes and our, across our world. Um, or, you know, bringing beauty is one piece too, but it's a piece that's overemphasized because really when you're, you're planting with another purpose first, there's so many beautiful plants that fit into those purpose pieces too. And so, yeah, edibles are great. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, one of the reasons that I wrote my book is because few people know how I was raised and, and I actually grew up in LA. I lived in Southern California. We lived in an old farmhouse and we lived on a, uh, about a half acre. It may have been an acre. Um, as a child, I remember it being ginormous. I'm sure if I went there now, it, it's probably a half acre, but we had plum trees, peach trees, citrus trees, avocado trees. I mean, all of our um, plants and all of our trees, everything provided for us. And that's just how I grew up. And then we canned everything and, and, you know, we gave fruits and vegetables away to neighbors because we had such a plethora of, um, bounty of, you know, from mother earth. And so, um, growing up in that way, I mean, I remember in the summer, our plum tree, we had so many damn plums. I mean, there were more on the ground than we could physically possibly eat. So I think that that's what's so great is that the other thing that when you were talking about, you know, HOAs and things that are beautiful, one thing that we always had in our front yard, we always utilized our front yard to grow beautiful things, but edible things was strawberries. 
it's such a great ground plant and we always had strawberries out there. And so I would, you know, if I went out in the front yard and played, I was always, you know, like I'd grab a berry and then play with my Barbie and then go grab a strawberry. And <laughs> you know. Well, that's awesome. And, and those flowers on the strawberries are so beautiful. They have beautiful white or, or really soft pink flowers that are just amazing. So that's, that's a great example. Yeah. And, and you know what, that's similar because I have similar roots that, that aren't as, um, uh, I guess, uh, farm based where you grew up in an actual farmhouse, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a, an older suburb and it, which is, you know, rare for my generation as a, as a millennial, I'll admit is, uh, is that my family, we canned food. We grew our own food in our backyard and we had this plot down, down the street a little ways where we grew uh, enough tomatoes to make tomato sauce for the whole year, enough uh, beans to can for the whole year. And so uh, it was just that, that similar thing of understanding where food comes from. And also, you know, we, we were always taken out to the local parks and, and shown all the, the nature, basically. We, we'd dig around in the creek to find all these little critters in the creek and stuff and, and, and to uh, learn that from our parents who taught us all these wonderful plants and critters that uh, lived everywhere. And how, how important it was uh, for us as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said. You know, one of the things that as I got older, the things that I really noticed was that when I would go out in the quote unquote real world, food tasted wrong to me. It didn't <laughs> taste right because I grew up, you know, eating the stuff. I would go out back and just pick a peach or pick a, a lemon or something. And it didn't taste as good, but I'll, I, the other thing that I notice is that I have such an appreciation, especially if you grow something yourself, the love and the care and the time and the effort that goes into, holy cow, growing a damn tomato takes three months, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's a lot of time and effort in that. And, you know, I, I think that when you just go to the grocery store, pick it up and, and you kind of get lost in that, you just don't realize the, the time and energy and, and just the love and the care that goes into something. And I think that um, I had Brittany Nickerson on the show last year and she's a um, expert herbalist and she, uh, she and I were talking about just the beauty of when you're in the kitchen and you're really uh, prepping a meal and, and putting a meal together with your own homegrown food, there's a different energy to it. There's a different feel to it. It tastes better. There's just something about it that's different. And I think that that gets lost if you haven't ever had that experience. If you've never grown your own food or had that experience, there, there's, there's steps to it. And each process of that step has, the, and this is where the gratitude part comes in. I really feel like, like I think that when you are close to mother nature and, and you're really in tune to those natural rhythms, because you can't grow a tomato in November, you know, when you get closer to that cycle of nature, um, it brings you closer to the rhythms of her and her seasons. And you have such a heart of gratitude for when you do have a bounty of tomatoes, you're like, Oh my God, I did this. I can't believe I did this. <laughs> you know? So it really brings in, um, you know, there's, there's no technology out there. There's no material good out there. That's going to give you that kind of satisfaction. You may think that it does, but it doesn't. We, I mean, would you agree? <laughs> oh, yes, certainly. And, and you know, there, there's actually some science behind the whole, it actually, you know, you think it tastes better. Well, there, there's reality to that as well. For one, it's, it's, ridiculously horrible to buy a tomato off the store shelf uh, compared to, you know, growing a tomato in your backyard, which is just 
amazingly better. And it's a perfect example. And um, not only are, you know, they picked fresh, but, but usually our gardens, you know, we take care of the soil and soil is so important to me and it's so important to our ecology too. So it, most people think of dirt as dirt. But soil is this living ecosystem. There's this whole world underneath our feet that we don't even realize. And in our gardens, we take care of the soil. That's what most people do is, you know, we're, we're nurturing it. We're, we're adding compost or leaf mulch or, or even straw, you know. All that stuff breaks down and it supports this wonderful m- microbial life that essentially mines minerals and nutrients straight from the rock, the tiny little particles of rock in our soil, and it makes it available to the plants, which it's this awesome process. And it actually makes a difference too. And, and with the flavor of our, our fruits and vegetables that are coming out of our own soil, which is amazing. Well, I never gave the soil credit. I always gave myself. It was the love. <laughs> well, there's, there's some of that too. <laughs> it was the fact that I was talking to them. I name them. I'm ridiculous. I name everything. I name all my plants. They all have a name. And my friends will be like, um, which one is that? Um, you know, so I, I, that, that part is kind of haphazard. Like I, I hope to God that I'm, I'm giving them what they need, but I'm like, but the love, <laughs> that's going to surpass whatever you're not getting in your soil. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure there's an element to that too. I mean, and, and, you know, it's, it's a source of life, right? Plants are life too. And so they're, ha- they're inevitably is something to that, I believe. Oh, and, without a doubt. They have consciousness. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. And, you know, uh, I do have to thank you because we're, we're in the process of figuring out our name for our wonderful house right now. So oh, right on. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. Number one, when you work with Amanda, you got to name your house. <laughs> there's a, there's a big, uh, a shift with that. We actually, uh, Deborah was uh, talking to a gal a couple days ago. Um, she's getting ready to hire us. And, and the one thing that she kept saying, and I just did a video about this on YouTube for everybody that's listening. Uh, is this bad feng shui? I hate my house. And the the one thing that she kept saying is, you know, I mean, we were, we were just going to be here temporary. I mean, I just, I really don't like it. We just, it was just going to be temporary and they've been there 10 years. And so when you're literally emanating and emitting that and depositing that throughout your home, I mean, you know, she knows that <laughs> she knows that you don't like her. So that matters. So, and I think that it's the same thing with plants, but I am curious. I I mentioned this a minute ago. What do you recommend for people who are in apartments or small spaces or condos that don't have a large area um, or even a patio? How do they get involved in, in growing? And, you know, I always recommend herbs, but I'm curious, what, what do you recommend to get those people involved in, in um, not only planting and enjoying that aspect, but also um, growing stuff that they can eat? Yeah, so let's break it into two parts. The first part is if you have a super small space, like a, you actually do have some lawn or a, a small patio, um, or you know, at least some ground earth, I guess, or a patio, um, what you can do there. And then we'll get into also what you could do if you have an apartment, hopefully with a balcony or maybe without. Um, so if you have a very small patch, you know, that's still your, your earth. That's your piece of earth. And, and as we're talking with our theme today is, is let's use it to, to actually give back, not only to give to ourselves, but give back and, and actually support life because we've, we've developed so much of our earth that 
all of our animals and plants and insects, they're struggling to have the natural space to live. And so adding a small patch of a, like a pollinator garden, butterfly gardens are becoming very popular. Um, I just did an episode on this the other day, actually, of butterfly gardens and pollinator gardens. And there's so much we can do just by adding a few plants that provide nectar sources, uh, provide overwintering space for, for beneficial insects, and also provide... Um, rearing sources for for pollinators so for example the the monarch butterfly is a really common one right now right and and they only rear their young so caterpillars only uh or well the adult butterflies only lay their eggs and the caterpillars only hatch on species of milkweed so having milkweed in your space if you want to rear some monarch butterflies which are really struggling you need to have some milkweed there to support the babies and and so they eat those plants they turn into pupa and they emerge as a beautiful adult butterfly and that's the only time that they actually you need the nectar sources which is so many other plants as well so they're both really important so if you decide you want to adopt a certain species of an insect you can look out uh, look up what types of plants that they need to lay their eggs on and that can make a huge positive impact if you have some some rearing plants as well as some nectar sources and you can do that even with just a couple pots on your patio um, and so likewise aside from the nectary piece that can benefit your edible garden as well so you can tomatoes are what most people want to grow but they're one of the toughest and so oh. you can start with some other vegetables uh, squashes are actually pretty easy to grow uh, beans or peas uh, so that some of the legumes are really easy, as well as if you have like some cooler, uh, you live in a cooler climate, some of the uh, the brassicas are really good. So like cauliflower and, you know, some of those types of cauliflower, broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts, uh, fresh Brussels sprouts growing in your garden tastes so much better than any other bruts or sprouts out there. Um, I always thought I hated them until we started to um, eat some fresh ones. And, and it's so much different. Um, so anyway, what you can do, yeah, is you can have some of those potted plants on your patio or you can use your small patch of earth if you have some to grow some nectary sources, some pollinator garden, as well as some of your garden plants as well. And, and the, the wonderful thing is that there's an interaction there. So all those pollinators help pollinate your, your uh, garden uh, edible plants as well. And likewise, there's a ton of, there's a whole insect warfare process going on that we don't even notice. And it's basically part of the food web. It's part of the natural ecosystem. So it's not really, I guess warfare is like kind of a tough term, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's Hardcore. This, really, I see it more as like a symphony. That's, that's a better term. There's a symphony. It's an interaction. And when you don't have this wonderful food web in place of these, these insects, like um, that, parasitize other insects when you don't have homes for them you deal with huge pest problems like aphids for example so aphids if they don't have a predator that that takes care of the aphid population and they don't the predator doesn't have that wonderful pollinator garden that they can overwinter in they can lay their eggs in they can they can drink the nectar sources when they're not eating aphids then they're not going to be there and then you're going to deal with your your issues on your plants and so helping to nurture your edible garden through building some natural environment around it is really important. And it also helps mama earth. Um, so, so that's the patio in the small patch of land piece. If you don't have any land at all, maybe you have a balcony or maybe you just have indoors, maybe you have a sunny window, hopefully that makes life a little bit easier. If you don't have a sunny window and you just want to bring in, uh, 
some some life into your apartment, one of the easiest plants to start with is the snake plant or Sansevieria. And I know it's kind of, I don't know about how it works with, with uh, feng shui principles because I've heard both sides of it. Like, oh, it can be a bad plant for feng shui or it can be good. So Amanda, maybe you know more about that. <laughs> it's actually fine. And actually it's okay. fantastic um, for air quality because it removes uh, formaldehyde and a lot of the toxins that are in off-gassing of furniture and carpet and paint and all that crap. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's wonderful for absorbing toxins. So, and it's also one of the easiest house plants to grow. So even if you just have, you know, mild overhead indoor lighting, uh, this plant can grow just fine off of it. And it requires very little water, very little maintenance. It brings a ton of beauty into your space and life too. And so, so at the very beginning, if you just want a plant and you, you're not even thinking about edibles or anything, just a plant, that can be a wonderful space to start. Now, if you're looking for herbs and such, um, yeah, usually a sunny window is very helpful. If you have uh, something that gets medium uh, light, medium exposure, that's a wonderful spot to start a little herb garden just in some small pots. So you can start with very simple herbs uh, like um, basil, thyme, oregano, uh, lavender, rosemary. Those all grow wonderfully inside. Um, they, they require some different conditions, so you definitely want to kind of do a little bit of reading about growing those specific plants indoors. So that's, you know, Google's our friend. So the wonderful thing is if you want to grow a specific herb, just look it up and you'll find some very basic information, you know, growing, uh, growing peppermint in pots indoors, and you'll find tons of information to help you out get started. And so pick, I would suggest picking one or two plants to start with and just see what you can do with them and then go from there. And that's the biggest thing is I had the same problem is, is when we moved into our house here, I, I wanted to take this giant section and turn it on to this giant edible landscape. Well, then we had about 200 house projects going on. We had a child that was born <laughs> and I had this huge space that I was then struggling to maintain because I turned it into this giant garden with, with 20 different types of edible plants. And so just start small and start easy. And, and that's something you can do in your apartment or on your balcony. And, and it can be wonderful. Now, I, I think you pretty much answered this, but I do want to um, identify that there's probably someone in the audience today going, yeah, no, I have a black thumb. I can't grow a damn thing. I'm totally intimidated by a garden, let alone a plant. So for those who are totally intimidated by this whole thing, and I understand, I remember in my 20s, you know, I very rarely did any gardening because I was under the impression that if I even try, I'll kill it, um, which, you know, it, it just, it took me a little bit of time and research, but I'm just curious, you know, from your opinion, for those who are scared or intimidated by this, what do you think they should start with? How should they kind of get over that hump? Okay, um, so first I would say, that I've failed more times than I've succeeded. Yay! <laughs> and that's okay. And, and I think most gardeners out there, if, if they were really honest and really were willing to admit it, that they would admit the same thing, especially when you're starting off, because that's where the learning curve is. And you know, the other piece that you mentioned earlier is, is just showing love and care can make a big difference. Um, to, to your plants. And, you know, it makes even just from a, like a psychological standpoint, it makes you want to be around them more often. And so uh, there's a couple tricks. One is be willing to fail and be okay with it. Another is put your plants, if possible, put them where you see them often. It makes a big difference. The more often you see them, the more often you're going to take care of them. And so if it's in a spot where you, 
you have a spot where you can see them often, that's much easier. Um, the next piece, if we want to talk about like specific plants, one, I would say, yeah, if you think you have a black thumb, get a, get a snake plant. Uh, the genus is called Sansevieria. You've, I'm sure you've seen them in plenty of like malls and corporate buildings and that sort of thing. They're Home a Depot. beautiful plant. Yeah. Home Depot. <laughs> they're, they're really cheap and they're, they're just so easy to take care of. So that's the start. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm just chuckling because I know plenty of houseplants that I've, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they've met their demise, sadly so um, for me. But um, but snake plants are tough. They're resilient. And the biggest problem people have is overwatering them. And so these are really plants that just, you know, they, they sit there and they take care of themselves. Um, so start there. And if you're wanting to talk edibles, really herbs are probably the easiest way to start because a lot of other, you know, your vegetable type plants, um, they do require a bit more care, a bit more, um, you know, they're a bit more finicky with not too much water, but not uh, too little water. They're, you know, they, they require a lot of, um, a lot of touch points. And so if you want something just super easy, I would suggest herbs and I would suggest maybe the Mediterranean type herbs. So as long as, again, these require some sun, but as long as you have some sun, uh, you know, a sunny window or something, uh, rosemary is great and thyme is great. They're both wonderful. You know, you just pull off a little bit, you throw a tiny bit into your dish that you're preparing, whether it's a salad or, you know, a stir fry or, um, you know, uh, whatever, a main course, it, they really spruce up fresh herbs really spruce up a dish, whatever it is. And, and so rosemary and thyme are two really resilient um, herbs that do a wonderful uh, addition to your, your culinary practices. Awesome. And it'll give you confidence too. As <laughs> right. we are wrapping up here, I have one more question. I think that um, having a garden of any size, it doesn't matter if it's in your apartment or if you've got, you know, six acres, I think that having some kind of an outdoor space or, you know, caring for plants, I, I really do think that it connects you to the natural real, the, the natural world. And I think it connects you to God. It, it just really allows you to touch your own little slice of, of mama earth and, um, I think the most important thing is that when you do get into it and when you do enjoy, even if it's just the garden space around you, like if you live in a condo or apartment, if you're just enjoying the, the nature around you, it uplifts your chi, it brings you back to basics, it can really uh, calm your nervous system. It's excellent for calming your parasympathetic nervous system down. But I'm curious, Ben, in your opinion, how can having a garden heal our world? How can it really open our hearts up to kind of the bigger picture and, and help us put things in perspective so that we can have more gratitude for her? Oh man, I, this is a tough question because I'm afraid to not answer it well. <laughs> <laughs> because this is, I believe it so much actually. Um, and, and I can't agree with more with all the things you just said. Uh, for one, I would, I would recommend, before I answer your question, I want to say this or I will forget, is if you guys don't feel connected with the outdoors, don't feel connected to the soil, I would highly recommend you go out, you take a handful of soil wherever you are, thank the soil. There, in that small handful of soil that you're holding, there's billions of creatures in that small handful of soil. So we hold a whole world right in our hand. And it's worth thanking them because they're so important for all the rest of life in our world. And, and likewise, I would suggest walking outside barefoot. Barefoot connects you. There's so many nerve endings in your feet and that connection to the earth is just so calming, so rewarding. 
and so connecting. And so if you feel disconnected from our outdoors, that's a wonderful way to start. And so the next piece, <laughs> there's, there's a guy who I follow. His name's Jeff Lawton. He's a, this permaculture teacher. So he teaches regenerative agriculture systems. And he's quoted saying, we can solve all of the world's problems in a garden. And I believe Amen. that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I believe that strongly because really uh, so much of our, our, our problems are, you know, food related, right? And when it comes to our society. And so if everybody just grew a little bit of their food, for one, they would help their own sustenance. They would help build resilience and self-sufficiency, which is really important. And likewise, we would become more connected with our earth. And like just, just all the things you said, Amanda, about, you know, it, it calms our parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about chi. I'm still learning that. But thankfully, <laughs> thankfully <laughs> from you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, thankfully from you, I've been learning a lot about that recently. Um, but I would believe too, yeah, it does raise your chi. I do feel every time I go outside after, you know, a stressful day, I just go out to, you know, maybe even pull a few weeds. And usually, usually I'm letting my boys out. They love playing in our backyard shed. And so they pull out all the tools that they're not supposed to be playing with. Uh, and, and they play with them and I'm okay with it. But usually I end up in our garden and just kind of like tinkering around, you know, not actually doing anything. And 10 minutes later, I realize I feel so refreshed. And so if everybody had a garden, think of how much reduced our stress levels would be, feel how much more rewarded we would be being connected to our food. And all the things we just talked about in our episode today is, is so spot on. And yes, I do believe all the world's problems could be solved in a garden. You talked about community. Oh, that's a wonderful thing too. You know, uh, we, we had always had so many tomatoes at the end of August where we'd just be trying to give them away. We wouldn't even yep. try to sell them. We'd just be bringing gro uh, grocery bags of tomatoes over to our friends, families, neighbors, strangers down the street. Hey, you want some tomatoes? We'd give them a whole bag of tomatoes. And people would usually run the other way when we were trying to give away our zucchini because <laughs> everybody tries to give that away, it seems. But um, uh, yeah, you know, it builds community. And, and builds uh, relationships. So there's just so many elements uh, that are, are factored into that question of, of how, can, how can a garden solve all the world's problems? And I believe it's true. Yeah, and I think that it, it really, what it comes down to is, I had Amy Robbins on the show um, and she was talking about this idea of, you know, just overcoming, she's a clinical psychologist and overcoming, um, the human condition and the suffering, we're all suffering and, you know, we're depressed because we're screwed up from our past and, and we're anxious because of what's about to happen in our future. And, it, you know, it's just all this stuff that we are uh, perceiving to be true when in actuality, you know, as a clinical psychologist, she was saying that most of it is not true. It's what we've, <laughs> we've like conjured up in our heads. And I think, uh, you know, in order to really feel gratitude and, and to open up your heart space, you really have to get into a, a sense of positivity. You have to feel good. And to me, one of the easiest ways to do that is just to get outside. And so if you have a quarter acre, the, the average American home that has a quarter acre, that's fantastic. You know, utilize it, start using it to its fullest capacity. Um, but if you don't, if you live in an apartment or a condo, get outside, try to have plants inside, try to, you know, rekindle that connection to Mama Earth because you will start to feel calmer. You will start to feel more con connected. 
Um, you know, you talked a minute about getting outside and grounding, putting your feet on the ground. You know, this has been scientifically proven that you tap into the energy of the earth. And um, the other thing that a lot of humans are suffering from is their circadian rhythms are screwed up. We spend all day either in a car or in a building. We never go outside. And so it screws with your circadian rhythms, which screws with your chi and you don't sleep. So now you're fatigued, you're not sleeping well, you're cranky, and then you get in your car and then you flip someone off and you can see how this just gets out of control. <laughs> it's this simple, you know, getting that connection with nature calms everything down, puts you, you know, puts everything in perspective, calms your energy system down. And that's been proven. We've actually got here in Nashville, we've got uh, community gardens and um, there's actually one that's going to be happening in June that is going to be helping um, people who are dealing with anxiety and depression and um, have mental illness. They're encouraging people to come out for the day to start getting the garden ready for summer. And it's been proven that, you know, when people are upset, if they tinker around in their garden, they feel better. So I think that everybody, even if you're intimidated, even if you're listening to the show today and you're intimidated, I encourage all of you to get outside and fluff your chi, start <laughs> feeling better. Um, ben, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I mean, you are so in line with everything that we're, we're doing and, and what we're talking about. If people are interested in, in finding more about you, I know you have a lot of great um, offers and you've got a fantastic website. How can they find you so that they can stalk you? And, and I know you've got a special <laughs> offer too for them for those who listen to the show. Yeah. Well, f first of all, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on your show. This is wonderful. I had a wonderful time talking today. And yes, yeah, so I have a, a list of some giveaways that talk about, you know, taking care of Mama Earth. And you know what I'll do is I'll try and throw up, I have a lot of edible stuff I've talked about too. So I'll, I'll make sure I have some links to some of those edible podcasts, episodes that I've done in the past. So that way, um, anybody who's listening can quickly check those out if they want to. Um, to learn more. Um, yeah. And so I have some giveaways. Uh, so finding your passion, as I mentioned, is really big for me or living with intent, living with purpose, whatever you want to call it. I have a quick, short exercise that helps us start to, to think about that. You know, that's not just a quick, you know, five minute overnight thing, but it helps us get those wheels turning. And I know that's important to, to you and a lot of your listeners as well, um, is living with purpose and intent. So I wanted to share that. I have a wonderful list of low maintenance plants that work in most yards across the United States. A lot of these are wonderful pollinator plants. Um, and, and, Yes. So I have a bunch of other links too. You can go check them out as well. Those are the ones I wanted to highlight. And also if anybody's interested in really making a huge transformation in their landscape to convert it to a, a beautiful low maintenance landscape, I'm willing to uh, give you a whole month of our membership for a dollar. So um, I have a code. Uh, you can go over to the, to the website to check that out. So all of these links will be over at easylivingyards.com slash home energy design. Boom. Isn't that awesome, y'all? I mean, he's he's given up so much of the good. So this is great. I hope it encourages everyone. Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a really great conversation to talk about Mama Earth because I love her. <laughs> well, Amanda, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you for having me. Couple of things. Wasn't that such a great show? I thought it was so great to talk to Ben. Uh, last week... I did a fantastic blog article and also a video. It's up on YouTube 
of crystals that you can add to your garden. It's called Best Crystals to Boost Your Garden. I did a video on it and a blog post and the blog post actually has a quick start guide that you can print out. So I would encourage all of you to go back and check that out as well. Um, and I'm also, I'm trying to figure out where to put this. Our show is so stacked. We're actually booked out uh, with guests until September, but I'm trying to squeeze in uh, a special, uh, you know, you hear me talk about how to cultivate your chi all the time. And I've actually, there's already a video on YouTube called how to cultivate your chi but I'm going to also do a podcast. I'm going to try to squeeze it in in June if I can. The month of June, our theme will be detox and health, you know, and wellness and, and how we thrive. So I'm hoping that I can squeeze that in um, maybe towards the end of June. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that because as we enter into summer, my biggest concern is moms. You know, the school year can be extremely hectic and then it's like, oh, thank God it's summer. It's going to be easier and it's not always easier, is it? There's a lot of dynamics to summer vacation and seems to always fall back on mom. I actually just saw a very funny meme where mom was getting questions like, mom, can I watch this? Mom, can I go here? Mom, can I do this? Mom, can you help me with that? And the only question that dad got is, where's mom? <laughs> so I want to do a special show, um, how to cultivate your chi, which will be specifically towards moms. But even if you're not a mom, even if you don't have kids, there's the tips that are going to be, uh, in the show are for everyone. So be sure to look out for that. All right, everyone. My name is Amanda Gates. If you'd like to learn more about me, or if you're interested in a floor plan reading, be sure to head on over to our website at gatesinteriordesign.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at let's chat at thegatescompany.com. And don't forget to check out our webpage that we've put together, gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash let's chat eco. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.